More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. Our friend David Ifoon joins us now. He is the publisher of The New York Sun, which has gone through a 2.0 or perhaps a 3.0, a redo, a rebirth, a renaissance even, David. Tell everybody about what's going on with The Sun. Yeah, Buck, we're referring to it now as the third coming of the New York Sun. Um, if you recall, this, the Sun was founded back in 1833, was the first successful penny daily. Uh, but suffice it to say that it's a newspaper that carries with it the finest of traditions of American journalism. It's been a part, really, of crafting what journalism looks like in this country today and certainly bridging the the massive gulf that existed at the time of its founding between publishers and readers. And today's environment, we see a similar gulf that's opened up between readers and publishers. Certainly, uh, trust is at ridiculously low levels. I'm sure you've seen these numbers. You've spoken about these numbers. I mean, every time a new poll comes out, the bottom falls out again. And, you know, we see the sun as a publication because of its history, because of its tradition, because of its um, real um, adherence to the values that have made America a unique political sper- experiment in the annals of history, its support for the Constitution, its view of all things taking place in the world through the lens of American um, exceptionalism. It really is a paper that has a special place in the hearts of many Americans and contains within it the opportunity to really bring back and close that gap Uh, bring back that trust uh, between the American public and journalists and publishers. And, you know, since we've been 
back at it now. We're about 18 months in. Um, we've been growing tremendously. We've been welcoming back millions of readers to the New York Sun. And we're very excited with the progress, uh, but also recognize that there's a lot more work to be done and uh, there's a lot more growth ahead of us. What do you think happened to one of your competitors, uh, the New York Times? You know, I grew up in a household where the New York Times was in paper form delivered to my house every day. Uh, both of my parents were New York Times readers. And, and now to even bring up the New York Times in the uh, Sexton household when I'm back in New York visiting, it's, it's uh, like a forbidden word. You know, what happened over there? Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the Times. The, the Sun is most often seen as a sort of counterweight to the Times because we've sort of both have 200 years of that history. There's Pulitzer Prizes in both of our history. It's, it's, a, it's a New York City broadsheet with that Gothic masthead and a focus on arts and culture and politics like, like the New York Times. Um, but suffice it to say that, um, you know, in terms of the substance, the Sun is everything that the New York Times is not. I mean, um, the New York Times is certainly a figurehead. It represents a, a lot of what we've seen in terms of the erosion of standards in media and journalism in America today. The Washington Post, for example, is is another one. You know, you have a situation where instead of seeing their role as holding the powerful to account on behalf of the public, a lot of these papers effectively serve as the enforcement arm of the interests that they favor. They are holding the public to account on behalf of the powers, the powers that they favor. You know, they become a sort of thought police. And, you know, it's our view that this sorry state of affairs really underpins a lot of the rot that we see in our democracy. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the First Amendment and the press in general are supposed to be the institution that catches us when all else fails. The, the press are supposed to serve as the, the backstop of democracy when government agencies, when politicians, when um, major industries go off the rail, the, the press are supposed to hold them to account. And, you know, without that, you have a situation where, you know, all of these big Goliaths in American public life um, have no real checks and balances. And you've seen sort of how they work together to orchestrate preferred outcomes that are very often not in the interest of the American public and the interests of the American people. So, you know, we believe in a form of journalism that puts the American people first. We serve the people. We answer to, to the people only. We are primarily a subscription-based business. You know, the vast majority of our revenue comes from, from paying subscribers uh, by our website. We don't have major advertisers that we're beholden to, for example. Um, and that's how we believe it should be, a paper that answers to the American public and serves the American public. And we see that as sort of the, the way forward and the solution and the path to salvation for American journalism. What do you think um, is going to happen now that we're entering into another presidential election cycle? The last time around, uh, the Washington Post effectively had said that to tell the truth is to be anti-Trump. I mean, the New York Times felt the same way, whether they said it out loud or not as a uh, as an entity, as an institution. And CNN certainly became an entirely anti-Trump network. I mean, no serious person could think that CNN under Jeff Zucker's tenure in the Trump era was anything other than uh, just rabidly anti-Trump. But that came with a cost for those those entities that pretend that they are you know, nonpartisan, unbiased journalistic uh, journalistic operations. Do you think they're just going to flip back toward that or are they going to try to 
walk a somewhat more um, a delicate line. They're still going to be opposed to Trump Democrat, of course, but maybe not the same degree or will they? What, what do you think happens? I mean, does does the pendulum swing all the way back to these these papers and channels exist just to defeat the Republican for the benefit and specifically Trump for the benefit of uh, Joe Biden? Yeah, I mean, the chances that you're going to have any degree of moderation and introspection are really not that likely. I mean, it's interesting, um, in the week or so that followed Trump's election in 2016, um, the New York Times did publish some introspective pieces looking back and and in, uh, really even apologizing to their readers and saying, we're sorry we missed this, we're sorry we didn't present um, any perspectives that explain why this might be happening or how the rest of the country might be feeling. We really blindsided you guys by not even allowing that this outcome was was a possibility um but that lasted for about 48 hours and, and not much longer and you know every everything in terms of how they've conducted themselves uh, following that point um have really effectively served as a walk back of any any kind of introspection that happened at that point and you know these papers you know will have a market they'll have a limited market you know that they've sort of become a an extension of you know p- political elements in the country and those folks that are very active and aligned with those politics you know may become members and may generate revenue for these publications and they may have an audience but in the end of the day um, they're putting themselves in a box and, and really limiting their the, the audience that they have but also the influence and the impact they that they have because you know the majority of Americans you know now, 84% of Americans do not trust newspapers. That includes, according to Gallup, 95% of Republicans, 88% of independents, and 65% of Democrats. So, you know, they may build sustainable businesses, um, but they're severely limiting the opportunity uh, to, to have an impact and, and really influence in the long term, you know, American public life and discourse. And those that are going to come into the market and bring a product to the table that really serves the American people and, and American interests, you know, that's where the opportunity to seize market share is, is going to come into play. And, you know, we see that as a wide open playing field that we're uh, right at the forefront of, of taking hold of. Uh, David, I want you to tell everybody about uh, in a moment what is going on right now with the constitutional crisis uh, overseas in Israel, which I know you're following closely, but give me one second here. Cause uh, I want to talk about the tunnel, the towers foundation first. Um, Look, we all remember what happened uh, on 9-11. Uh, 2,977 people lost their lives, and there are still 9-11-related illnesses that are taking lives to this day. But the up-and-coming generation, uh, a lot of them don't really understand very much about our nation's darkest day. But the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is doing something about this by educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about 9-11. Their nonfiction first-person accounts are told through videos and book series. These accounts are moving and unparalleled. Kids won't forget these true stories. The Institute offers full curriculum units with scripted social studies lessons, activities, and background for teachers. They've organized a speakers bureau for classrooms with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. Tunnel to Towers has built a mobile exhibit as well. It's a tractor trailer with an interactive museum with 9-11 artifacts. All this so that we will never forget. We must educate future generations as well. Let's help our nation honor its vow. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Uh, David, tell me about this constitutional crisis in Israel. What's going on? 
Well, uh, first of all, the important thing to note is that despite the fact that it's um, emerging into the public consciousness, certainly in this country, and making all the headlines in recent days. I'm sorry. I, I, I meant to say. I meant to say judicial crisis. Pardon me. I don't. I, in this right. country, we would think well, of constitutional. You know, there, there is there is a there is a constitutional crisis component to it as well. Which go ahead. Go ahead. Israel doesn't have its own constitution, but you know the equivalent of it. You know what are the basic laws of the country? Um, you know that's you know certainly a, a big part of the debate. But you know, effectively, for for some time now, for for for, for quite a number of decades, actually, since the early '90s, um, the right in Israel and and beyond the right, the right wing in Israel, have had some serious concerns about um, you know what they determine to be a judicial overreach. Now, just to give you a sense of what that means, uh, the Supreme Court in Israel has a number of elements to it that, for example, if they existed here in the United States, would be a matter of great concern. You know, first and foremost among them is that, you know, there's a panel of nine individuals that selects replacement du- judges. Um, they need seven yeses in order to appoint a new judge. And three of the folks on the panel are current Supreme Court justices, and they always vote together. So effectively, the existing Supreme Court justices have veto power over the appointment of any new justices. So instead of having a situation like you have in this country where, depending on who's in power, you might get some justices on the right, some justices on the left, and, you know, in the long run, it tends to, it tends to balance out. You know, in Israel, it is basically a permanently left-aligned Supreme Court because of, of the way things have unfolded. You know, on top of that, you know, the Supreme Court has certain powers, including the capacity to override laws that are passed by the Israeli version of Congress, the, the Knesset, based on a concept that it defines as, if, it, if the court defines those laws as being unreasonable, they veto recently the appointment of a, of a, of a government minister, um, you know, on, on the basis that, that they determined it was unreasonable. Um, and they also are involved in the appointment of, of lower court ju- justices, um, and they also hear uh, a hell of a lot more cases. Um, it's not, you know, like in this country, a court of final appeal. There are, there are certain cases that can go straight to the Supreme Court. So on an average year, they could hear up to 8,000 cases. In America, it's, you know, two to 300 that the Supreme Court will hear. So its impact on day-to-day decisions uh, for Israelis and, and, and life in Israel and governance are very, very, very significant. Um, and, you know, this was one of the things that the new government that was voted in, um, you know, most recently campaigned on. And, but it's also an issue that the right in Israel has been seeking to gain traction on for quite some time to reform the, the, this um, judicial structure where, in their view, uh, the Supreme Court just has too much power and effectively can override in too many ways the democratically elected representatives of the, of the state of Israel. So that's a bit of the background. And you know, obviously those opponents of this reform will say, you know, well, you need to have checks and balances of the government uh, before, because Israel doesn't have, you know, three branches of government like, like we do here in the United States. You know, Israel, uh, the, 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 the prime minister of Israel is the head of the party that's elected in Israel's Congress in the Knesset. Um, so you can't have a scenario where the majority of Congress, for example, is of a different party than the executive is, which could serve, serve as a check and balance. So, you know, they'll say because 
effectively, you know, the opponents of the judicial reform will say because effectively the Supreme Court is the only check and balance that exists, um, you know, they need to have more powers than, than they have in other places, you know. And then, you know, the other side will counter argue and say, well, there are other checks and balances that can support minorities in the country. You know, this idea that, you know, there are a lot of smaller parties that make up the coalition, for example, that can serve as a check, check and balance to protect the interests of, of minority groups. So, you know, this is a raging debate in Israeli society. Um, and certainly it's reached a, a, a fever pitch at this point. There are protests, large protests on both sides of the aisle. And uh, just yesterday there was a, a, a watered down and negotiated piece of legislation that was that was passed that overrides the ability of the Supreme Court to to nix any unreasonable laws or laws on the basis of unreasonableness. Um, and that's where we stand today. David, let's come back and talk a little bit about uh, what you see going on right now at this early phase of the uh, presidential election in this country, 2024, some of the dynamics that you're seeing play out here. We'll get to that uh, in a moment. But take your energy most days and multiply it by two, my friends. That's how good the health and energy feeling you're going to have is when you subscribe to Chalk's Male Vitality Stack. This is an all-natural set of supplements designed for everyday consumption and meant to provide you with the stamina, focus, and energy to be your very best. Chalk's been at this for some time, making best-in-class supplements with a focus on allowing you to live your fullest days. Unlike a lot of supplement companies, they don't try to put them into retail stores, but instead they have a direct relationship with you, their customer. But you got to go online now to their site to start that relationship. Go to Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Whether it's their male vitality stack product or their line of products for women, they have a female vitality stack, you're going to love the way you feel. Chalk.com. Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Save 35% off any Chalk subscription for life when you use my name, Buck, at your checkout. So go to Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Use promo code Buck for 35% off for life. David, what do you think's going on in this presidential election so far in this country? We're early in the cycle. What are you seeing? Well, it's interesting, you know, the emer- what I think we're seeing emerge in terms of the trends, you know, for a while, you know, you had Trump leading the pack and uh, he still leads the pack. And, uh, you know, the big contender uh, at his chomping at his heels was DeSantis and then, you know, the rest of the others. Um, you know, what you've seen happen now, uh, certainly in some, some of the most recent polls, is that uh, DeSantis seems to have declined somewhat and, you know, this fellow Vivek um, is gathering a lot of traction and certainly exciting some of the younger folks. Um, and I think what it, what, it, what it speaks to is the centrality of policy prescriptions, you know, even at this stage in the campaign. You know, there's certainly the, you know, the beat the libs element, you know, as you might put it, Buck, you know, the, you know, who has the ability to sort of withstand the pressure and fight back against, you know, what the, Democratic agenda might be, and in that respect, um, you know, Trump is seen as 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 potent, and certainly DeSantis was seen as potent as well. But I think when it comes to to brass tacks, uh, you know, the Americans um, are interested in prescriptions, and they're interested policy prescriptions, and interested in ideas um, that can help solve some of the issues um, that that are plaguing this country. Certainly, when it comes to you know what typically referred to as those dinner table issues, um, you know, paying for things, increasing income, inflation, et cetera. And if you recall, um, you know, back in, a, in the 
previous campaign, I think it was 20, 2012, when Herman Cain was, was a big deal. You know, he had his 999, um, you know, taxation idea that kind of catapulted him for a very short moment, um, you know, in, in, into the leadership of the pack. But I think that was another early indication of how, you know, smart policy prescriptions that make sense and that can really impact Americans in a, in a significant way um, can really make a difference for a candidate. And, you know, to those, you know, that are, that are vying for an opportunity to get ahead of the pack, I would, you know, recommend, you know, don't think so much about the past. I don't even think so much about, you know, beating the other side, but think about, you know, putting recommendations and ideas on the table that you're pledging to implement that will actually impact and help American people. And Vivek's been tremendous at that. You know, he's talking about, you know, gutting rigged, you know, gutting the Department of Education and using the funds to to provide, you know, school choice. I mean, that is something that's going to have an impact on millions of parents in the country. Um, and, and you know, in terms of the, the bottom line impact. And, you know, when people have to think about, um, you know, who they're going to favor, who they're going to vote for, you know, it certainly nothing beats the idea um, the case that you can make for for someone that's going to actually help your bottom line at home. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that uh, I think how things are evolving is a symptom that, you know, that uh, you, the candidates have to really pay attention to that element as well. David, let's take a, a look at the Democrat side in, in a second of this equation. But first up, everybody, look, my pillow has been in business for 20 years they're still on a mission to provide you the best possible value. In fact, they're celebrating their 20-year anniversary with an incredible deal. When you go to MyPillow.com, use promo code BUCK on the website. You can buy their queen and king size pillows for more than 50% off. The queen size is just $19.98. The king size is just $10 more. In addition to those deals, you'll also find deep discounts on other popular MyPillow products, such as their bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, towels, the my slippers, and so much more. Just go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square to buy new pillows at these prices with promo code BUCK. Every MyPillow product comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty, even during a sale like this. Go to MyPillow.com. Get these pillows. Amazing. $19.98. You can get a queen-size pillow. It's under 20 bucks. Use promo code BUCK, and you'll get these amazing deals. Uh, the Democrat side of things. Where do you see Biden, Harris, and any of the others? RFK Jr. How do you see all this coming together so far? Yeah, I mean, you know, part of I'd say the appeal that RFK has is that you know he is talking about substantive issues, um, and you know there are issues that are on people's minds that you know he's not afraid to talk about. I mean, it's surprising that he's sort of gathered this much traction. Um, you know, it's no surprise that it's basically impossible for him to beat the party machine at this point and. You know, Biden and Harris are, are assuring, provided that Biden can 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 live that long, <laughs> can stay with us for that long. Question, uh, both in terms of his, um, you know, uh, physical health and 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 also mental health. Um, but you know, if he's if he's there and in more or less the same condition that he's that he's in today, um, I'd say it's hard to see. Um, a practical situation in which, you know, he's not the candidate. And, you know, he'll certainly be an even weaker candidate than he was last time. And he, he certainly wasn't a strong candidate in 2020. So, um, you know, that, 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 that certainly opens up opportunity for, for the uh, 
for the challenger, whether it's Trump or, or somebody else, most likely Trump, uh, to have another go at it and and uh, and and really do well. David, for people who want to check out the Sun, where should they go? How can they become a subscriber? Go to nysun.com, www.nysun.com. Check it out. Um, we'd love to have you. Um, everybody's welcome. We've got this great penny a day offer. Your first 60 days for 60 cents, which is a throwback to the 1833 days of the sun when we were founded for one penny a day. So you can really try it out and make sure it's a home for you uh, before you know the full commitment. Um, Doing phenomenal anyway, work over there. Great editorial team. Out. Great editorial team over at the New York Sun. Uh, you should all go check it out. David, thanks for being here, my friend. Good to see you. Thank you, Buck. Always a pleasure. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, He needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.